What's up, y'all? This is Mr. Lift, and you are now listening to the one and only Dad Bod Rap Pod. Stony Island Audio. And now it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damon Carter, David Ma, and Nate Yolong. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar An argument ensued about who the goats are The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod Now fans worldwide say Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap, pop, pop, pop Casting live from San Jose, California, it is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one half of your host, Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim One, joined by my man, Nate LeBlanc. What's happening, man? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, it's nice to have you back in the mix. Um, hope you enjoyed your travels. Did you do any hip-hop-related stuff while you were out in the middle and eastern parts of the country? Yeah, I, I actually got to um, connect with Nappy Nina and some other Bay Area expat she knew. We watched um, Game Six of the uh, of the Warriors Lakers series in in a, in a cool in Brooklyn. <laughs> I, yeah, there there's been happier occasions to connect with Nappy Nina, but uh, it was fun. We got to uh, chop it up with her a little bit. She's got some interesting business news that I'll talk to you about off air uh, that she shared with me. But uh, she's doing well. Just getting back from an Australia tour with uh, Guilty Simpson and Dalek, um, which she said went really well and shit. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, did did some of that. Um, went to some, you know, there's just like a billion cool little clubs and spots and fascinating to hear what um, is being played in those places. I went to a museum event and I don't know if it was like can music or a DJ was somewhere. I couldn't tell, but all of a sudden I just heard the instrumental to AC Alone's guidelines. Oh, wow. And I was like, damn. They put up that... the bat signal for you, dude. Seriously, like I perked up my whole like- They were like, Damone Carter of uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod is here. We have to say, doom, doom, doom. Bruh, I lost my shit. I was like, is it the sample? And like, it was the actual <laughs> instrumental. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I guess those were my, my top two uh, hip hop moments and just nice. ate a bunch of shit and drank uh drank like i was in my 20s and now i'm paying for it i'm a i'm a shell of a man i'm back in california where it's 900 degrees um and i'm a shell of a man but it's it's all good also got to go to paisley park in uh oh cool in in minnesota which was super cool to see how was that his shoe collection is there bro it's like wow all the high heels huh 300 pairs of size five uh high heels shockingly small that is crazy i wear a nine and i actually probably could fit an eight 
Um, it's, and, yeah, like, that's kids for so like shit. familiar with having small feet, and five is insane. Yeah, so they they told you this whole thing about how they had to reinforce the heels and how he went through several heels every show because he was so dynamic in in his performance and um yeah so it was it was super cool uh, the Midwest is is fun because like people are nice and shit it's like almost um, hilarious in a way uh, but yeah yeah it was a, definitely a good trip um, spent a little time in Baltimore which I don't know if we ever talked about this. Who is the most prominent rapper from Baltimore? Are we saying Tupac? Oh, I don't think that counts. Though I did yeah. go to a day a conference for my day job in Baltimore once, and they were playing. They were like really trying to lean on the Tupac thing, and I was like, "Yeah, come uh... on, come on." <laughs> uh, Lab Tech One. Okay, okay. He's not a prominent rapper, but is a you know a known indie rapper from Baltimore. Okay. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Are you a Wire guy? No, I'm not. Okay, Which is a, unfortunate there's because there's a lot of stuff there, apparently. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's an amazing show, and you should watch it. Um, the There is a part in The Wire where they're, like, feeling like the drug corners are being, like, kind of, like, infested by New York cats. Or so mm. that's the rumor on the street. So they try to, like, test their Baltimore knowledge by asking about this certain song. <laughs> and I want to say it's by Young Leek. Okay. Who had like kind of like a regional hit at that time, and okay. I don't remember all the specifics of it because it's been a while since my last rewatch. But um, that's the, maybe maybe him if he exists, and I'm getting his okay. name right. Uh, yeah, not not <laughs> a ton. Um, there there's a good amount of rappers like from the DMV area, or from, sure, like um yeah. that area. But yeah, I mean, I I understand that Quelle Chris lives there, so yeah, he would be yeah. my pick. But did not see him unfortunately as I walked about the. Uh, <laughs> The, the harbor areas but um yeah it was cool cool weather in every city um ha- let me ask you this nate since we're doing mm-hmm. travel log um have you ever flown first class i just did i just Is that first right? class for my first time when we went to the grand canyon a couple of months ago okay okay tell us tell us peasants how that how that went i've never done it, it was pretty tight i have to say it was a <laughs> short flight and that's why we could afford it like i'm okay. you know I do all okay. right, but I'm not a first class type of dude. I'm 42 for reference, so the first time I got to experience that was like paying it for myself on this very short yep. flight. Uh, but the main thing that I noticed is they have different snacks, actually kind of like underground snacks. Like Ooh. I'm like I consider myself to be something of a snack aficionado, yeah. and you guys are busting out some <laughs> brand new shit on me. Um, yeah, I don't know if you know this. They're for like people who are on like paleo or um, mm. what's the other one where you only eat keto. Fat? keto mm-hmm. um they're like crackers but they're made out of cheese like, yes you know how, like, like crisp cheese dries, yeah. they're like mm-hmm. cheese crisp they have like mm-hmm. a couple of those some dried fruit dealies um but the main thing that i noticed was the difference is a they treat you like a human being and like say your <laughs> name and stuff and that's that goes a long way honestly. yeah it does yeah and then uh they serve you your drinks in a cup like not a not a plastic cup, a glass, I should say. Oh, really? There's I don't know actual, if it like... was actually crystal. I would I would call it glass, but it was okay. a very nice glass, and it's like you can do whatever you want. Basically, was yeah. the vibe. Like there was a woman sitting one row ahead of me. I think I might have talked about this in a Patreon segment or offline with you, but like she had it's the flight to Phoenix is yeah. an hour and a half, if that. She had five of those hard water deals <laughs> seltzer they're, yeah, yeah seltzer like a hard yeah, yeah, seltzer yeah. i think they're called truly's that's the one yeah, yeah, i think yeah. we flew mm-hmm. like american and that's the one they're with yeah this fucking lady got fucking hammered 
Like a bartender would have had to cut her off, but since it's first class, she was the one in the first one, so she can't even fuck up by like putting her feet on the seat in front of her or like, Good like Lord. just she just like she was just they were like kind of like again, and she yeah. like hit me, <laughs> and I saw her wandering around the airport just like a normal auntie-looking lady, like just yeah. the most normal person you could imagine. Just like I was like, that's how you like do like first trouble. class i had like a, a ass sparkling water and a couple of confused bites of cheese crisp and i was like i'm good i yeah. want to read my new yorker and like chill out you know what i mean but yeah the and like you know how like if you're like the seventh boarding group they're like they really scrutinize your carry-on yeah yep there was none of that yeah, like i exactly. had like a slightly oversized carry-on it was like a weekend trip but it was snowing so we had to take some extra stuff so i brought a slightly bigger bag and they were just like Step right up, dude. Like, no one is going to front on you about which bin you put stuff on. There's just no, yeah. there's no scrutiny. They want you to be happy. And so that is the biggest, those are the biggest differences. Mm. Yeah, I could, uh, I could, like, see that through the crack in the little partition. And <laughs> sometimes the plane shifts and you can see. Yeah, man, I, on the, on the way back, um, I was in coach and I felt like, so boxed in that like this is against the geneva convention like this is <laughs> this is a fucking and you're a pretty normal sized person i like to think so um yeah. you know what i mean uh five eight and in two quarters maybe but um the seats have gotten so fucking small and the leg room in front of you has gotten so small it's um it's a planned attempt to be like okay you don't want to upgrade well you're going to be in a fucking chicken coop. And it, and it usually does not bother me. It didn't bother me on the way there. But when I came back, I was focused to start making first class money. I think if I ever level up, it'll be because of Alaska Airlines flight uh, 264, which sat on the tarmac at fucking JFK for more than an hour. Um, they're they're going to motivate me to level up my game to yeah, or at totally. least to, at least to get to business class. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. Um it really pays off on longer flights, but that's when it's yeah. like so incredibly unaffordable unless you are actually flying on the business's dollar. Um, right. I have a friend who uh, does very, very well and travels internationally, and he's obsessed with like Emirates and like the ones yeah. who they basically give you like your own little hotel room, little pod. business class, like that, yeah. like that shit. Like I, I sent him a New Yorker article one time about like the engineering of how they try to get extra centimeters for this and make this material lighter. And he was like in heaven. I can't even imagine it. Like I've flown to Europe multiple times, and I have a direct flight to Japan coming up in a couple of months. And like I just like have to get in my own world. If I start thinking about I'm uncomfortable, then I'm gonna yeah. Be then you're gonna be uncomfortable. I have to like for breathe and. You know, I keep my shoes on. I'm like trying to be respectful of the other people around me sure. and like just not focus on how uncomfortable it is because it can be incredibly uncomfortable. And when you're in a, you know, let's like, let's go like a six, like an eight six plus, plus hour flight. Yeah. Like you're you're sure. full, you're beyond a work day yep. of sitting in the same seat. Um, you have to try to sleep, but I usually can't sleep. So it really just becomes about like what I'm reading and what I'm watching. And like, I have to like immerse myself in it. And luckily I have some, uh, you know, things that are mostly legal where I live that I can employ <laughs> before I leave uh, to, to try to get me in that headspace. But I hear you, man. And if it, you just can't freak out. Like if you freak no, out. No, 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 there's no, life. yeah, there's no, there's no point to it, but it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting older. I just feel like there was a time where shit like yeah. that uh, did not phase me. But but anyway, made it back here to the Bay Area on the day 
that Billy Woods was performing in San Francisco. And I'm like, ah, I wish I was the type of person that could just like hop off the plane and run to the show and and uh, keep that. I wasn't here for y'all conversation with uh, Kenny Siegel about maps, but I wanted to, I guess, congratulate them. Number one rap album on Billboard. Oh, uh, wow. I didn't know is, that. Is fucking maps. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Did you feel like, and apologies to those of y'all talked about this last week, but did you feel like when you heard it that this was going to be a record that kind of brought Billy Woods to a, a wider audience? Yes. And uh, that Dave didn't necessarily agree. Uh, listen back to the episode when you have a sack. But like, I was like, this is Woods at his most accessible. And the last time yeah. I said that was terror management. And what he did was like bring Fielded into the yeah. fold. Yeah. And there was just more singing on it. All but to with be... this one... I felt like there were some intentional production choices and like the theme is incredibly relatable. Like yeah. what, what did we just talk about for 10? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Traveling. That's where I was going. We're right. not on tour, but we, yeah. we all have the same experiences when we're traveling and traveling and uh, locomotion, if you will, brings like kind of a pensiveness and a need sure. for observation. And it, it, there's so much like hurry up and wait. Sure. Um, so it's like, it's about his life as a rapper but it's also things that we can all think of and i i actually thought the choice of the single um with samuel herring was mm. brilliant and really yeah. set the table for like this is a different billy woods album this is this is more accessible i don't know how else to say it i just think yeah. like uh, no, i could like you know how we always say like billy woods or whatever like a lot of the rappers we like is kind of like scaring the hose music <laughs> yeah uh which you know i don't endorse the phrase or whatever it's just hilarious and uh jpeg mafia and danny brown kind of took it took it to another level but <laughs> this is like um concerning the hose music <laughs> you know like it's not it's not scary it's not like like you know how we've interviewed woods multiple times and he's like you know writers who still call my shit like apocalyptic especially Arm yeah. Hammer, piss me off they're obviously not listening that's yeah. been the narrative since shrines sure. on this there is no hint of a, a apocalypticism no no no, no. it's just it's just like a days in the life um, yeah, which uh, Kenny the cast of characters, which are the best rappers out right now. So yeah, and Kenny Siegel said he wanted to purposefully use drums, and I think nice. that even brings back in like the kind nice. of disgruntled older fan who, like, <laughs> or friend group milieu who's like, whatever happened to drums? Drums. We yeah. talked about this so many times, but it even circumvents that. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's that's no, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, and um, I think soft landing. Uh, the the usage of the guitar strumming just kind of in the dreamy Kenny Siegel way um, it does make it more accessible. But Woods is Woods. I I, I love I love what he's doing. Um, and having spent a couple days in Brooklyn, it got me thinking about like, is Brooklyn the center of the indie rap universe? If you if you look at not necessarily where people are from because people move around everywhere, but like where the energy is and you know I was talking with nina and she's like yeah i think woods lives around the corner or something and i'm just like what a crazy place quality chris was there for a long time um fat tony had a had a time in brooklyn don will like this sound that is emerging now that we know as as indie rap um there's something about it there's like some kind of magnetism there i was actually listening to a bunch of still tip dub um he has like three albums out with three different people. And I'm like, yeah, and it and it feels like Brooklyn. Like it feels like that sound. But would you, could you agree with that statement? Or is it really more diffuse than that? I don't, 
I don't think it's a controversial statement. Um, and the way you phrased it in our text chain was like, is the center of the hip hop indie hip hop universe, Brooklyn, LA or Chicago. Chicago. And I think there's merit for each case. And we've covered a lot of artists from each of those places, but to me, it's, it's definitely Brooklyn in a clear number one. It just, um, I haven't spent a ton of time there, but I have spent some and like, this sounds so lame and I know how I sound. I've had to listen to myself for hundreds of hours <laughs> uh, very painfully, but like Brooklyn's cool. Yeah. 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 And like LA 100%. is kind of cool, but only in parts in spots. You got to know where to go. Chicago is kind of defiantly uncool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not their vibe. The, the vibe is sure. not like we're the coolest people. It's like, I might've been the coolest person from my town in the midwest 100 miles mm -hmm. from here so i moved to chicago to live a nice life and be around urban vitality and eat different food and be part of a scene and i think what you're kind of talking about is a scene it's like yeah, what, a scene. they're a scene that defines these spaces and i think in la not as much but there is mm -hmm. kind of the whole earl alchemist universe sure and that's fucking cool as fuck like they like lead the industry or the trends in many ways but I just think there's something about the concentration of Brooklyn. It's a continuation of the beauty of the vision of the founding of hip hop that it's yeah. in New York yeah. and New York will always be special. Um, and that there's a lot to be said for that. But, and I, so I think like Chicago has the best scene where it seems like the people okay. actually know each other and support each other and stuff. Brooklyn has the most historicity and the mm. largest amount of music and it has probably the highest percentage of artists we fuck with at the highest level yeah la has the alchemist and earl and all the stuff that they do and i don't think is like an indie rap town necessarily no it's, it's a like it's an entertainment town. lives that can only take place in la so that makes it less important in what you what i think you're trying to get at right does that make yeah, any sense yeah no no totally i think in terms of um where the energy and magnetism is i think what i've learned through doing this podcast is artists cluster right artists cluster around other artists and it's like all about proximity um and that really kind of defines so you know you have people who move from chicago to la to be in proximity to other things right so yeah, just walking around the streets of Brooklyn and feeling several clicks uncool. <laughs> God damn. Just, uh, for, uh, just to set the stage for the listeners, Damone is the coolest person in San Jose. So this is a big <laughs> hit to his ego to go to Brooklyn and only be among the cool people, not not at the highest level. What is it? I'm, I'm a San Jose 8. I'm a Brooklyn 4. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, be, let's be absolutely clear. I, I'm a Minneapolis 9, though. Nah, let's hey, <laughs> like, well, that's why you did. That's why you uh, framed your trip that way. Exactly, it kind of just went all the way up. But um, yeah, it was it was cool to 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 be there and to kind of you know I always think a trip to New York is when I check on what is the the pulse of like I want to say hip hop culture, but it's not really hip hop culture. It's just kind of like what Youth what is culture, the street culture. The like, what's culture, the edge of as we call it. Call it the, yeah, Did you watch that culture. movie? It's like it, not a good movie, but it really got people talking for like a weekend. Where it's it's you people. It's like uh, Jonah Hill and oh no, I a young lady whose name yeah. I'm not going to remember or look up right now get together, and then their yeah. parents are Eddie Murphy and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Right. So in that movie, 
You have not seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, this is not a spoiler. Not that you No, care. absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but Jonah Hill is a hip-hop podcaster, essentially. That is his job. What an attack on you, Nate. I know, totally. And actually, I felt very well represented. Um, he dresses a little bit more youthful than me, but it's like, what does he care about? Sneakers, hip-hop, having a podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, impressing parents. Um, <laughs> so... I'm kind of forgetting my point here, but the reason I brought it up is Eddie Murphy is kind of needling him. And that's a big part of the movie is Eddie Murphy kind of clowning him and not accepting him to their family or whatever. And he's trying so hard and and he's like, so what do you, what do you do? He's like, I have a podcast there. And he's like, and what is the podcast about? And he's like, you know, the culture and like, what, what culture is that? And uh, Eddie Murphy is trying to get him to say that it's black culture. culture. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of what you're saying too. Yeah. Yeah. We we use our euphemisms, but what is youth culture? What is hip hop culture? What, you know, you, you, you know, you were just there and you also know all this stuff already. Yeah. No, but I think that's a great way of, of breaking it down because whatever black people are doing in New York and Brooklyn specifically is going to filter out into we'll hear about uh, it a year and a half later <laughs> yeah pretty much man so uh, i I've, I've jotted down some notes uh i'm gonna um i got some kicks too i'm i'm, I'm excited to actually see you in person and see if you approve right. these kicks we need to do uh, that i, I have a, we're just now having our normal friend conversation i have a huge stack of new yorkers for you like you're oh yes do for a delivery so absolutely uh, we, should, we should get together when you're uh, not contagious yeah, um, but we're contagious with the hip hop sickness here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, Dave and I had the chance to check in with Mr. Liff, um, who had an incredible run um, in the era, had records with Def Jux, uh, worked with Edon. He was cool enough to talk with us um, about that era, kind of all the stuff he did, and listen all the way through because he kind of throws a curveball uh, towards the end and, and drops some information that we don't usually hear on the Dead Pod Rap Pod. So let's get into it. This is our interview with Mr. Liff, Dead Pod Rap Pod. Born in this American land, my role well, I'm the Rio, blessed with free flow and the peacoat. My cause I came to connect with the people. Dad by Rap Pod, every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, in a car, in an undisclosed location, <laughs> it's Mr. Liff. How you doing, man? Oh, uh, man, I'm doing great, man. I'm honored to, uh, to be on the show. Uh, you know, thank you guys for having me on here. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 honor for us to have you, man. Um, let's let's take it back. You're mm. you're a product of Boston. I'm curious about cities that are like in the the shadow of New York. Let's say um, oh, as yeah, a West Coaster, yeah, that's real. That's yeah, right. Real. Like it's there's New York yep. and there's the rest of the world. But coming up in Boston, you're kind of New York adjacent. Who mm-hmm. were you? 
who are you trying to emulate? Who are you inspired by? Specifically, if there's any local artist that um, inspired you when you were first starting to MC. Man, I mean, he wasn't quite local, but you know what? He he was from my city as Guru. Come okay. on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guru, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. at one point at one point Guru even attended the prep school I used to go to. I went to this school oh. called no- N- Noble Noble Nobles in Greeno and um you know, there used to be the Elam I can't remember. It was like the something Elam award for, for excellence amongst black students. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, I think the gurus pops probably like sponsored that award. You know what That's I mean? Wild. I never won it. I never won it. Cause <laughs> I was slacking in school. You know what I mean? But, but you know, like, so like guru and I, we just had this kind of like not ships in the night, but like, you know, I was on a path that was kind of like, you know, in areas that he had treaded. And then mm. when I started to put out records and, and, you know, get, get, you know, little name for myself, you know, outside of Boston, Guru always reached out and held me down, man. Like he, anytime, anytime I was around Guru, he would just try to drop a gem on me, man, about, about something pertaining to the business and give me some sort of guidance. You know what I mean? That's super, that's super dope, man. And to, and to know that, you know, when I think about Boston rap, I immediately go to Guru to know like you're, you you got that baton is is super dope. Um, who else were you inspired uh, by in the formation of your style? Man, the Overlord Ice Dog from Tough Crew. Oh, you know what I mean? Y'all ever okay. y'all ever heard yeah. Tough Crew? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That 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 Danger Zone album, dog. When I first heard the heard the Overlord Ice Dog, that <laughs> voice, I was like, that voice is crazy, man. Like, oh my god, yo. But then you know, of course, the R. You know what I mean, gotta yeah. give major props to the R, like just the intellect, the whole frame of mind. I mean, just the delivery. I mean, just just everything about the R, the aura. You know what I mean? But then mm-hmm. I would say, like, other than other than that, it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta definitely credit Chuck D for a lot of my political leanings earlier on in my career mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and like you know just the fact that i was just you know really trying to bring my observations about the world to my to the vinyl i was creating to the music you know that that that's largely credited to like you know me being like young and impressionable when takes a nation of millions to hold us back came out you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that 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 record like that record changed my whole world you know what i mean um so yeah, and then other than that, man, it's just being a product of the era, man. It's like it's just like being alive, young, and impressionable when, you know, well, actually, yo, I'll tell you what, what really, I mean, just the, the whole the whole era, you know, what I'm saying like being around when like Three Feet High and Rising came out, you know, Tribe right. Called Quest, every, everybody, that whole era. But then for me, I was in I was in college, I was at Colgate University in like, in like in '93. You know what I mean? And and by the time I got to college, man, I was so burnt out on school. To be to be real with y'all, I was burnt out on school by sixth grade. I was just kind of like Same. done. Like, like <laughs> yeah. yo, I was toast. I was toast. And I straight told my parents too. I was like, yo, I don't even like know what I what I have to offer this. But anyways, I toughed it out. You know, middle school was mad hard. It was tough for me to even just like get into college, but I pulled it together like junior year and like, you know, senior year and all that to get, I got accepted to Colgate, went there thinking I was going to be a surgeon or something. And then like, you know, just realized very swiftly that there's no chance in hell I'm going to do that. Cause I like, I could, I wasn't a morning person. I was like, I can't, like, I couldn't process any like scientific information at 8am. And I was just like, yo, so like 
anyways i used to send my mom dukes on these like on these like these recon missions to like pick up pick up you know cds from tower records for, for, for me in in boston specifically in cambridge and harvard square at tower records and she would and she would come up to colgate university and make the drop for me you know what i mean mm. and like what the you know, winter of 93 she showed up with black moon entered the stage tribe called quest midnight marauders wow uh de la soul balloon mind state and Wu Tang entered the thirty six chambers, yo, and that was it. At that point, it was like I had already realized like I wasn't gonna be like academically, or I already knew academically I was exhausted, but like I knew I wasn't gonna be a doctor. I was I wasn't gonna be a surgeon, and I was kind of fishing for like what what was I gonna do? And when I when my, my mom's brought me those records, you know, I absorbed those at a very pivotal time in my life when it was just like. I guess, you know, I guess I'm going to lean on my love for hip hop because I had I had already been in it. I had been so deeply immersed in the culture for so long. And mm-hmm. then to be at that point in my life where I'm like legit at a crossroads, can't figure out what I want to do professionally in like in regards to anything academic. And then Mom Dukes blesses me with with that pack, mm-hmm. of, of, you know what I'm saying, of albums like, yo, that was it, man. From that point on, it was like, yo, I'm going at this MC thing like and not to mention that. Not long after that, we're dealing with, you know, Illmatic dropping and Sunrises in, in the East drop, you know what I mean? Um, right. You know, in, in 94, it's like it was game over. Right on, man. Thank you for sharing uh, your background with us. Um, I want to move mm-hmm. the chronology. I want to move the chronology forward just a little bit. I mean, I think yep. um, what, you know, a watershed moment for you is probably Def Jux, right? And I would love oh, to yeah. just would just love to hear the background, like how you linked up with LP and sort of what that what that heyday felt like. Yo, man, I met L when, you know, Company Flow first came to, to Boston. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I don't know if it was their very first show, but it was it was their first show there that I knew about. And what was crazy for me is like when I dropped out of college in, in like, you know, winter of 95 with a one song demo, all I knew of the independent hip hop industry was that it was company flowing J live. That's all I knew. You know, if there were other, if there were other crews out there doing it, you know, putting out records independently back then, like, forgive me. I just wasn't privy. You know, I was in upstate New York, like in the middle of nowhere, Hamilton, mm. New York on Colgate campus. I didn't know, but, but, you know, so it's like, so to meet, you know, one of the people that I considered a founding father, of the industry was a huge honor and, you know, and even better for me, if I recall it correctly, L you know, actually at that time had requested to meet me off of the strength of, you know, I had a song called Electro that was out and I can't even remember like what else I had out. Oh yeah, I had a, cu- a couple joints out. The Rebel Alliance album had dropped. So I had this song called uh, Madness in a Cup that was out. That was out. Mm. And then in 98, I dropped Electro. And then it was 98 that Company Flow came and they were playing a place I think called Nick's Comedy Stop or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the first time they showed up, it was L, Len, and and um and big just right they came back two weeks later and it was just ellen lend company flow like broke up like i think like if it wasn't the day that they were supposed to come back to boston to do another show it was it had to be right before so when so like l you know i don't even know if l and i exchanged numbers that first time that we met but like when he came back it was like you know of course he's in a fucked up place because it's like yo my group just broke up and we all know like 
the the significance of company flow back then. Like I can't even imagine what he was going through on an emotional level to be like, yo, I'm about to go rock this show. Me and just just had a falling out. And now I just got to yeah. still go. You know, it's just me and Len. But anyways, um, me and L got closer at that time. You know what I mean? And I think I might have hopped up and like done electro like before company flow got on stage, like just, you know, just, just hopped up on stage and did one song. But then I think L and I exchanged numbers then. And that was when we started to like slowly but surely, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, that's that's one of the dudes back then. So I wasn't blowing his phone up. But every right. now and then I just take my shots. Yo, how you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it was good building with you in Boston. Da, da, da. And it eventually, you know, it eventually rolled into us making making records together, man. And um, and to and to answer your question more fully, you know, when L started Def Jooks, yeah, we had made, you know, we had made this one song called Arise. I, we we had done a little bit of touring together like in 99. But ultimately when he formed Def Jooks, I was looking around at different labels to be, to like to 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 give, you know, I I recorded this EP called Enters the Colossus and I was looking I was looking for like what's the right label to to like give my debut body of work to. Mm-hmm. And you know, my manager Tim, he was just like, "Well, yo, LP started a label." And to me, I'm just like of course, I know the impact of company flow, but I'm just thinking of them like, okay, well, they they were an artist on a label, you know what I mean? Like, right. um, and you know, and obviously they were on, you know, on rockets and all that. So L, like, you know, they blew up major. Your know, Fun Crusher Plus was out and all that, but I didn't know L as a label owner. So to me, it was just like, hey, let me just take a flyer on my friend and just see if he can do anything with my music, and then mm. look at what he built. You know what I'm saying? Look at yeah. what he built and what he continues to do. It's crazy. Mm. Right. So so that's what it was for me at the time. It was like, you know, let me let me let me give this a shot. Like this is this is this is my dude. I know he's been successful. I know he's a groundbreaking artist. Let me let me just take a leap of faith here and and sign, you know, sign my debut record over over to his company. And man, everything took off. Right on, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's 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 super dope. Thanks for breaking down the, the origin story there. Um, one mm. of, one of my favorite joints of yours or a joint that you're on is, uh, the Edon, uh, joint making planets. Oh, uh, word. I, it's, it's such a, it's such a big song, um, from an amazing record. Of course. Can you talk a little bit mm. about the making of that song and just what it's work, what it's <laughs> like working with Edon? Man, yo, oh man. You know, like, like for me as a music fan, like, you know, sometimes like you watch like these music documentaries and they, they show you footage of, of artists in the studio and like, and, and, and a lot of time they're likely showing you like excerpts of like them being in a studio, making a record that, that like changed your world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like, like for me, like if I saw like, if I saw like, you know, snippets of like Radiohead in the, in, in the lab making sure. like, okay, computer, like I bug, you know what I mean? Right. I know that's outside of hip hop, but I'm just saying like moments in the lab with Edon feel like that. You know what I mean? Like when I, mm. when I go to when so like when I, back in that time, when I would leave Boston to go to New York to, to like, to record with Edon, it wasn't just recording. It was building like that. That was right. like me going to like, that was like going to the dojo. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like, cause Edon just possesses a wisdom. He, he, he possesses a, a, a certain calibration that like, most people don't move through the world with, you know what I mean? Mm. And then, and then, you know, his reckless abandon 
although it's like very calculated, but reckless abandon with his production style and his audio quality, you know, that that's, that's like samurai or like ninja level craftsmanship. You know what For I mean? Sure. So, so when I, when I go, when I go to New York to, 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 to work with Edan, I'm expecting, you know, training. I, I, I'm expecting the song is going to emerge from the training and the practice and the diligence because I, cause I'll go there and he'll be like, yo, He'll be like, yo, have you ever seen, you know, The Prisoner? You know what I mean? Like this this show from like the like the 1960s or some shit. And he'll be like, yo, you know, and then next thing I know, it's like every night I'm throwing The Prisoner on, you know what I mean? And then we build it on like the, what the episodes were like, you know what I mean? And there's huh. just knowledge that arises from that. Or like he'll be playing certain records in the crib that don't even have nothing to do with us making the track. Hmm. But like, you know, but we just taking a musical journey. We taking a journey through like, great art is what we doing. We really looking at like, okay, what's some like, what's some great art that what's some great visual art, what's some great movies or mm. shows that were made, what's some great music that was made. And then the songs emerge from that really, you know mm. what I mean? So, you know, making planets was another one of those adventures, man. You know what I mean? Like where it's just like, you know, had I heard anything like it when he played me <laughs> what he had, yeah. nah. you know what I mean? But, <laughs> right. but you know, you, you, you know, but it's like, but I knew what I had to do, you know what I mean? I knew what I had to do. I, I, I knew I knew what, what you know, what the prescription was. You mm. know, and we talked about it a little bit and I knew what version of me he wanted, you know what I mean? So, mm. and that beat just brought it out. The beat brought it out, man. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest things for me as an MC is to always do what the beat says to do. Mm. And that beat was, and that beat was vicious. Mm -hmm. Thanks for breaking that down, man. That's. Um, that's definitely a big favorite around here. Um, you know, again, mm. I want to keep I want to keep moving forward. I I I want to let people know about your work with the Thievery Corporation. Um, can you break that mm. down a little bit? How y'all meet? Like, what are you guys working on at the moment? Like, let, let the people know. Yeah, man. I mean, yo, Thievery, my my uh, my correspondence and my eventual partnership with Thievery Corporation really was like a a saving grace for me, man. You know what I mean? Cause mm. like, you know, it was a lot of things got weird in the mid two thousands, man. Like, you know, with like, you know, lawyers cracking down on samples and all that mm. labels, not really wanting to, you know, release like sample heavy records and all that. I found myself in this phase, like during the Mo Mega album, during the cre creation of it. And definitely after where I was like, okay, like, most of my friends that I would rely on and turn to for beats have not caught up to where the industry from a legal standpoint is demanding that they, they be, which is to be mm. excellent producers with, with, with sample free music. Mm. My, you know, my boys, were, my boys were dabbling in it, you know, like Peyton Locke, God rest his soul was dabbling in it. Willie mm. Evans Jr. Was dabbling in it. You know, Edon, he just going to do what he's going to do. You know what I mean? But we weren't really yeah. talking about making a full record together. You know, when I was making Momega, originally, like, the, the person that was holding down the majority of the production was actually Blueprint. You know mm. what I mean? And he was sending me, like, sample-heavy stuff. And then when I brought that record to Jux, they were like, we can't release this. We You know, there's going to there's gonna be lawsuits left and right. So the combination of having a tough time making Momega, mainly because I couldn't let the old version of the record go because it was all these, like, s samples and whatever then getting in the tour bus record the end of 06, mm. you know, then like 07 is just kind of like 
a mystery year where I'm just kind of floating. I decide not to re-up my, 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 I don't, I don't re-up my deal with Def Jux. Oh, wait, is the great recession. And at that mm -hmm. time, it's like, I own, I own two single family houses at that time. And I'm just like subject to all the fuckery that the great recession brought about. You know what I mean? Like opening my, my mortgage note and seeing that like my monthly payment went up like two and a half times what it was and all that. Man. And like, you know, you know, I, I, like, in 09, by the time like December 09 rolls around, when like before Eric Hilton from Thievery Corporation called me, I'm thinking I'm out of music, straight up. I, you know, I'm doing really? like, I'm fuck, yeah, I'm thinking I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm i like, I'm fucking with like sports talk radio, like thinking I'm a trend because I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big NFL fan. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking yeah. like, okay, and Boston's a big sports town. So I'm like, okay, sure. let me get my chops up on this shit and see if I can break into the world of sports talk radio. Oh, really? And then, I, oh, yeah, that's where I was at. You know what I mean? I really thought it was done. You know wow. what I mean? So it's like, then, it's, then I'm like, I'm at the crib, and I get this random call from Eric Hilton. I, I hadn't talked to him for like, at this point, it's probably like six years I haven't talked to Eric. And like, he calls me up, and he's just like, yo, I was building with your boy Dom and he said that I should give you a call. He's like, I'd like to, you to come to the studio and work. And to give you some context, I was living in Philly from 05 to 09. My photographer when I was living in Philly is this guy named Dom Savini, real dope photographer. For some reason, I guess he was in DC, walked into a bar and I guess it was a bar that maybe Eric Hilton owned or some shit. And they ended up just chopping it up. And Dom says to Eric like, yo, you should work with Mr. Liv. And Eric took him seriously and was like, word, I'll call Liv. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Eric Hilton calls me, you know, out of the blue, tells me he want, wants me to come to the lab. We set a date of February 1st, 2010. I'm like, word, I, I'm looking forward to this because, like I said, I'm out. I, I, I'm already thinking in a different direction, but I'm like, okay, well, this is a shot here. I go to, I go to, to Eric's lab in, you know, February 1st, 2010 with deep focus. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm there like, yo, I'm going to go into the lab and build with this dude and whatever it is, it got to hit. You know what I mean? It got to hit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Eric and I, we building about what he wants. You know what I'm saying? He plays me the beat for the song that then became Culture Affair. You know what I mean? And he's he's telling me, you know, conceptually what he's looking for. So, like, basically giving me an assignment. And at this time, you know, they had the ill set up, so they owned this building that that you know they called i can't remember what it was called like the esl consulate or something like that you know they had some like ill title for it that's where the lab was that's where the studio was but then not the next building over but the building next to the to the to, so one building over is is eric hilton's crib so he put me you know he put me down in like the basement which the basement is basically like a nice apartment you know what i mean and that's yeah. where i'm staying while i'm right so so bro i took that instrumental man i went down to that to that that basement, man, I blocked the fucking world out, yo. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, everything gotta be right. I was like, this shit gotta, I gotta nail this concept. This shit gotta come from the heart. Everything. I wrote, I wrote the lyrics, went, went to the lab, you know, recorded it, laid it down. Big ass blizzard hit. I couldn't leave DC, got trapped there for like, I don't even, I was probably trapped there for like two weeks straight up. Anyways, uh -huh. <laughs> I don't hear, bro, it was crazy. It was super crazy. Anyways, it was two blizzards that hit like like I don't remember how many days apart, but I could not leave DC and go back to Boston. Anyways, like yo, months pass and I ain't hear from Thievery Corporation. I'm like, yo, man, like damn. I guess I I guess it didn't hit. So I mm -hmm. hit up Eric Hill. I hit I hit them up. I'm like, yo, 
if if you didn't like what we did, I was like, yo, I'm totally down to work on something else, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it, it, like like let's just work on something else. And I get the mad nonchalant response, like, nah, man, don't even sweat it. You know, we'll get we'll get back to you. I think like still like another like month or two passed. I'm like, wow. I'm like that shit didn't materialize into anything, dude. Ouch. Then it hit me up. That yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, you know, swing and miss. I was just like, I, you know, I guess that's it. And like, they hit me up out of the blue. They're like, yo, man, we need you to come to DC. You know, the the uh the song we recorded together, you know, is the title track of the album, and we need you to come to rehearsals for tour. Yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, bro. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, word, because you know, here's the thing, and I I should add this, man, with the tour bus wreck, my desire to like do like something big like under the quote-unquote like mr lift name like the ego died in that bus wreck bro you know what i'm saying the ego, yeah. the ego i didn't die yeah. Thank, thankfully i didn't die but the ego it just yeah. that part of me like where, where like oh i'm trying to go out have my own tour bus and like go do big like quote-unquote mr lift tours that shit burned off in the bus wreck you know what i mean mm. so so this was a great role for me like okay i get to go and like refresh my career be a part of something that's more of like an international electronic world music ensemble. And I'm the right. hip hop element of that. So now I'm playing different venues around the world. I'm not going back to the same venues in, you know, overseas and stuff that I was used to playing just on, in the underground rap scene. And yo, man, you know, 12 years later, we still hitting the road together, man. Oh, that's, you know? that's so dope, man. And it's, it's cool that, um, you know, they have the foresight to reach out to a, 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 a real rapper, um, my, <laughs> I always get irked when uh, electronic ish groups, uh, have substandard rapping on their shit. So, um, right. Glad, glad to hear that you're still doing that. Um, what's, what's next yep. for you, man? You, are you still thinking about doing sports, sports talk and have no, you talked no, to Dart Adams no. about it? Is there a Boston <laughs> rap that- sports podcast here that I'm trying to produce? Let me know. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? The, the, the sports thing, although, yo, if you get me talking about the New England Pages, I got a lot to say, but it hasn't been on my mind. You know, thankfully, okay. I went in a different direction, man. Like, I, oh, geez, I didn't even realize. I got my phone on low battery mode, but uh, damn. Uh, we, okay, we're we're around at home. You're, you're good. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so I'll say this, man. Like, first of all, I need to let y'all know I got records in the can. You know what okay. I mean? Like I'm, I'm, hold, okay. I'm, I'm holding. I'm holding. But, okay. but I don't like to drop. I don't like to drop music unless I feel like the whole business situation is right. You know what I mean? I, mean, I always want to like. Fair. I always want to release my music with a sense of excitement. I want to have a certain sense of excitement, like similar to how I had earlier in my career. Because earlier in my career, I just wanted to be heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. So it's like if I feel like if I feel like I'm a hand a record to a label and it's not really going to get heard, I don't really feel any urgency. So I'm waiting for the right situation, you know? So, you know, I got an album called Return of the Colossus. Mm, You know what I mean? That was, it was, they were supposed to come out in 2020 as the, you know, 20 year anniversary piece to Enters the Colossus. I don't even think I had the record finished back then, but it's best believe it's finished now. It's on, it's uncompromising. It's filthy, you know, like Edon's on production, Peyton Locke's on production. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on production on that. Jeez, I'm drawing blanks right now. Anyways, you know, Qbert's on the cut, Static Select's on okay. the cut on there. Mm. You know what I mean? And we just tried to come through barbaric with it. You know, got <laughs> got vocals from Edon on a couple tracks too. Nice. Um, 
you, you, you know, but like, uh, I'm just holding it. You know what I mean? So and as got, of right um, now, no said date, but it, it does no exist. You're date. looking for the right situation. Looking for the right situation. And then I, I got, man, <laughs> I got, I got a sci-fi project that I started writing back in 98 that I, that I started to translate back in 2013. Wow. I started to translate, translate the saga musically. I started to translate it into like a series of EPs. They're not, they're not finished, but they're mm -hmm. like, you know, I got a couple of them that, you know, are over 50% done. Those are in the can waiting. Mm. You know, I got, I got, I got an EP that's more lighthearted, you know, uh, just about kind of like just the quirkiness of, of life and some of those nuances of life that are, okay. that, that are kind of tongue in cheek humorous. That's in the can, like mastered. I'm just holding Plus okay. I got my whole back catalog that's not even on streaming yet that I own. I was gonna say I'm just yeah. I'm hold I'm I'm holding I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? Like when someone come around with the right offer, with the right energy, you know what I mean? I will unleash and best believe I'll be swinging the hammer of God when I return. You know what I mean, I'm not fucking around <laughs> when I return. I, I'm not just I'm not just gonna return to return lighthearted, you know what I mean? Okay. Because you know, I'm gonna be I'm yeah, I I I'm gonna be doing it like just like you heard me, you know, in ninety-eight. Oh, so, man, that's so, dope. Cool, cool, cool. But dope to hear. Let me tell you, let me tell you what's been tied to me over though while I'm waiting. What's that? Back in 2018, I twenty eight back in 2018, I started a I founded a real estate investment company. Okay, yes. Heard you of know, it, yes. Um, mm -hmm. yes, yes. So, you know, back in I mentioned, you know, back in 08, I got my ass kicked because I had like a couple single family houses, right? I was able to let go of those houses, one of them completely on my terms and make a profit. One of them somewhat on my terms, but not really with much of a profit at all. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, so I I basically rigorous, rigorously re-educated myself in the ways of multifamily real estate investing now. And I'm okay. talking about like small multifamily, you know, like triplexes, four units, uh, you know, six unit buildings, five unit buildings. And last Friday, I closed on a nine-unit building, nine-unit nice. property, I should say, you know. So, you know, I was building with, so a, a lot, a lot of this. I guess the easiest way for me to say it is, I came up in an era where, like, you still had to have the physical product. You know, what I mean, it, streaming wasn't yeah, out. You know, what I mean, absolutely. like, 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 like music on the internet was a new thing. Like people would, you know, in interviews, people would ask me about Napster and shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, 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 like, you know, I was used to like people, you know, having to cop, you know, my CD or, or my vinyl or something. And I was able to monetize music on, on a, on a substantial level, mm. you know, and, and going, being able to go into a studio was still coveted, right? Like, yeah. Not everybody had a home studio. The recording gear for at home was cool, but it wasn't studio grade level. You know, Absolutely. nowadays, nowadays, everybody got the, the home studio. Everybody labs sound pretty good. You know what I mean? And my, uh, my former man. So I've been feeling like music, my music has felt largely disposable compared to how it used to feel. Right. Mm. So you, when you come, when you combine that with me feeling like I might may or may not have the right situation to put records out in, it leads to me seeking my motive or uh, channeling my motivation to other areas. Mm. So, so one thing is that me being an independent musician for, you know, years and years, I've seen a lot of people come up in the business, you know, blow through a lot of money and not have much to show for their musical career. I've also, I'm also very well 
aware of the fact that like when you're just an MC or you're just an independent musician out on the road, happy to have some gigs, happy to catch a buzz. There's no like no one's really coming to you with like the retirement plan. Like there's not a yeah. built-in financial planner, you know what I'm saying? Right. For this hip hop show or like, you know, this independent music. Like you gotta figure that stuff out largely on your own. You know what I mean? So what I've done is I've built a company. My company's called the People's Trust Investment Group. And, okay. you know, it's people reliant. You know, like like I basically partner with with other musicians, you know, people in the music industry to buy small multifamily property. Huh. And a lot okay. of my a lot of my investors don't even so I, I'm based out of Rhode Island. That's where I do the majority of well, that's where I do my investing, period. Right? Northern Rhode Island, near the Massachusetts border. So I get a lot of people coming down from Boston because they're sick of the prices in Boston. And I'm down here renovating, you know, beautifully renovating properties, creating great homes for people. And so, you know, I have, you know, investors in Denver, Dallas, um, you know, uh, Seattle, you know, people that rely on me to be the boots on the ground to mm. go identify. I, you know, I identify the property. I put it under contract. I arrange the financing for it, you know. I, mm -hmm. I uh, you know, work with the investor to decide, like, who, who's bringing what amount of money. And then we arrange our deal. We have an operating agreement. And I'm essentially the boots on the ground operating the property, building retirement for people that I love and care about in the That's music dope. industry. Mm -hmm. You see what That's I'm saying? Dope. So, you know, I own a four unit building with the guitar player from Thievery Corporation. Me and the former <laughs> bass player from Thievery Corporation, we own 11 units in Pawtucket. You know, um you know, I mean, it extends outside of music. Oh, my, wait, let me see. Who did I run down? There? Oh, yeah, my my, my, my former tour manager, her and I own four units in Pawtucket. My real estate mentor, you know what I'm saying? We own 11 units in, in Providence, you know what I mean? Mm. So really, uh, you know, my goal is to be the place that musicians turn to when they want to invest toward retirement. They want to invest in real assets, toward retirement you know what i mean okay and yeah so the educational part of that like teaching cats like why you know why property ownership is important you know uh just teaching them every aspect that i could possibly share about the game why it's important you know to have cash flowing assets um you know the road is the music industry can be fickle man there's no guarantee that you're going to be out here for decades doing this you know it could be a few years of a good run and then it could stop and you got to have something to fall back on so that's for where sure. my heart is that's what i've been doing that's what i've been building and lastly i want to close out with saying this and i know i'm super long-winded so thank you for bearing with me um with music feeling disposable to me with you know 60,000 songs a day coming out on spotify as my former manager told me rather than going and collabing with my with the bass player from my band or the guitar player you know going to the studio which is still fun don't get me wrong still fun instead of doing that and having one song that without the proper promotion will be almost entirely disposable because who knows mm. even who will hear it i i've been focusing on building monuments of my friendships with people in these mm. brick and mortar, you know what I'm saying? Like I can point mm. to a four unit with my with my guitar player and be like, yo, that's us. We did that. I mean, yeah. like, Robbie, yeah. that's us. You know what I mean? We did yeah. that. That's the that's there for us right now to make our lives easier, to free up more time so we can spend more time with our kids. And then when we gone, that's that's gonna be our kids. They're gonna have that. You know what I mean? Mm, so when I started yeah, when I started doing music, it was about leaving something behind. It was about building legacy, right? I've got music out there music started to get flooded. So now 
it's about these monuments. You know what I'm saying? I'm built these mm. these physical monuments with my friends. You know what I'm saying? To like, you know, to to take care of us now, to take care of our families in the future. Man, that that's that's beautiful. Um, and I I appreciate you making time to kind of uh, break that down for us and the and the listeners, Mr. Liff. Thank you so much for coming on the program, man. We appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Am I allowed to tell people where they can find me? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're on IG, I'm at the real Mr. Liff. You know, um, if you want to holler about holler at me about real estate, you're going to send an email to the people's trust LLC at gmail.com. You know? Okay, that's that's and, dope. Yeah, I mean, man. I didn't want to put you out there. I wasn't sure if you was taking open submissions, but you're you're I if just, folks want to reach out to you, they can right there. They they can, man, because you know, right now I'm not I'm not positioned to be traveling across the country talking talking, you know, to yeah. people about real estate, but I'd I'd love to, you know. Mm-hmm. So so since that's, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm 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 in RI right now. You know, people can email me and we and we can start the conversation and build. coming on and talking to us. Nate, I know you weren't present, but um, you know, he talked a lot about having a bunch of music in the tuck and how um, he's gonna release a, a bunch of new projects when the time is right and when the financial situation is right. And I think only Mike King is the only other person who came to kind of talk about rap. And then it kind of went in a business seminar uh, <laughs> direction. So he's been he's been working with uh, doing music and touring with members of Thievery Corporation for a while and has built a real estate business with them in uh, New England, buying houses and wanting more artists to have that kind of stability in their lives. It was really, really fascinating. I'm not able to word it quite properly yet, but if you told me that there was a group of landlords called Thievery Corporation, (laughs) I would very much believe you. Oh, damn. I totally missed that one. I, I should have needled him 100%. No offense yeah. to Mr. Lift yeah. his uh, groove imparting compatriots, but I just had to make the joke. Oh, that's funny. Mr. Lift and the Thievery Corporations are your landlords? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, he, he was a real cool cat. He almost went into sports broadcasting, which was wow. wild to me, um, especially now that, um, you know, Boston sports are are have moved on to the next round of the playoffs. It's been it's a sad time NBA wise. Uh traveling through the East Coast. Were and you watching. in New York when the Knicks got bounced? Yeah. But you know what? It, this it was the same night, yeah, that the Warriors got bounced. But you know what? Brooklyn don't give a fuck. Right. That's they were different. Just, yeah. yeah, they were just like, okay, now we will continue to drink and carry on. And it was a hot night there too. It was a, it was a beautiful night. But um yeah, the Knicks got bounced, and then, uh, as I mentioned before, I got to watch the Warrior game. I was watching all those games on the road. Uh, on the East Coast, Boston fans are fucking everywhere, even in New York. <laughs> even in New York, they are everywhere. It was it was pretty virulent. Um, they, they let you know about it. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Dart Adams, who's been 
talking the longest NBA shit of any. <laughs> uh, I know you're not on social media, but he's been talking the longest NBA shit of any hip hop person. It was a very of, weird season. I could talk about it at length. I've been in international DM conversations with friends <laughs> about the state of the Warriors. Uh, but we don't have to get into it. Um, yeah, Mr. Lip is a, like a, a linchpin in the indie rap movement, the Cypher era. He yeah. worked with such cool people. He's been involved in some really cool projects. Um, he is one of the people that I saw at the my faded trip to Fat Beats Amsterdam, where I saw Company mm. Flow. Oh, that's right. Um, so I have pictures of him in an Amsterdam basement from 1999. Um, I've seen him on tour probably at least three times. Um, I've been seeing Mr. Liff for so long that I know he used to have a song about how he had a dreadlock afro. Um, oh. That was a big part of every stage show. Oh, um, okay. There was like a whole explanation about his hair and stuff. And like, yeah, this is like the early days of Mr. Liff. Um, and I, for me, the work of his that resonates the most is his stuff with Edon. I think they have yeah. great chemistry. And yep. um, I, I've always thought that um, Edon's production showcased him very well. But um during the pandemic, I went back and re-listened to I Phantom, which is like mm -hmm. a, one of the better concept albums. Like it, it really holds together as a concept album. And I know that album's really important to a lot of people. So yeah, Mr. Lift's cool. And like, um, I'm bummed that I didn't get a chance to meet him, but he uh, certainly is an MC that I respect. I'm going to throw out a comparison here that came to me like a couple days after we had talked to Mr. Lift. Mr. Lift, Mr. Lift, excuse me. East Coast MERS, MERS, mm. West Coast Mr. Liff. They have this, they have something, I can't quite articulate it, but there's something about them having talked to one of them. Um, I kind of feel like, oh, it, it, they have a similar vibe. That's interesting. Um, I don't know that I see that necessarily. Just if, if anything, if you want to be the East Coast Merge, you better start making albums or releasing some of those ones that <laughs> got in the tuck, as you called it. Merz got like a yeah. hundred albums, so yeah, um, that like we could we could talk. Uh, we you could convince both have worked with Def Jux. It's there's yeah. there's some interesting uh, there's some interesting corollaries there. But uh, shout out to Mr. Lift for coming on. It's another of the type of interview that you can expect here on the dad bod rap pod as you know you can always connect with us on twitter at dad bod rap pod you can connect with us on instagram at dad bod rap pod and you can also check in on our patreon growing community of folks just five dollars a month or 51 dollars a year gets you a whole lot of fly things tell them about it nate yeah, we've got uh, music discussions. We've got playlists that are exclusive to the Patreon community, most uh, prominently Dems Gems, uh, which is a curated playlist series from Damone, often thematic with um, these great written intros. Um, I have my fake radio show, Fly Sporadic, which are also often themed and have poorly written intros. <laughs> um, I'm working on the next one right now. I kind of... I asked for ideas for themes for them last time I put one out and someone did a theme and I might do that one again, but the way he phrased it got me okay. thinking. And so I'm going to do a different theme, but um, I don't know if I've talked to you about this. I just got my turntable set up all redone. Like I bought okay. a mixer. I got my turntables repaired. I got new needles. I got new headphones. Like I have everything. So maybe not for this one, but I think on the next one, I need a new mic stand and one new cable, but I think I can do a fly sporadic just standing at my desk like, a live sporadic yeah live sporadic 
Exactly. <laughs> I will still need like a third source, like my iPad okay. or something to something like trigger, to trigger some, things. Yeah. Some, uh, stuff. But yeah, I, I'm like really excited to try that out. I used okay. to do that all the time, and I haven't done it in a really long time. So, um, yeah, that that'd be kind of cool. You know what'd be super cool is if you did it in like the the reggae DJ style, where you just turned it down every two minutes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like Father John Misty. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> My new mixer is a rotary mixer and like the, oh, okay. uh, the, the cutoffs for the bass okay. and treble and mids are really, really good. And okay. so like I have been like standing in my room just like kind of fucking around with records and it's like now we're gonna listen to just the bass line for four measures. Oh, okay, bringing in those hi hats slow like a house DJ. Ooh, you know what I mean? That's dope. It's, it's so it's so interesting to play with the dynamic range of the records. It's like got me back into like DJing in a way that I haven't been interested in for a long time. And okay. so yeah, I got a I got a few more little equipment upgrades to make, but I'm like 90% of the way there where I think I could pull I'd have to get all my stuff organized in a way that I don't have to because it's a, essentially they are made in the edit now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like this song is long, faded out, you know, after the fact. Now I'd have to fade it out during and then start something immediately. But you guys understand how DJing works. So I don't have to explain it to you. But anyway, um yeah, excited Looking about forward. that. And um yeah, just like excited to have my setup going again. It, I literally think it had been a decade. Oh really since you've had like a functional mix ready Yeah, setup. I um I lost uh, first I broke my other 1200 it's actually a 1210 uh when i was moving into mm. two apartments ago and then i lost the power source for my mixer and mm. then during that time and it's not like you can't just buy another adapter or whatever and sometimes i did but it also became like it's it's it was a vestax 05 oh it's like I, okay. I am not a scratch DJ. i'm about to say so you're crap scratching on it and just, yeah i mean i tried yeah. to in high school or whatever um but it's like that's that's not the kind of mixer i need at this point in my life so it's just like kind of a little silly um so yeah kind of saved up and got this mixer that i'm really and th was this from the inspiration of being at the freestyle fellowship oh joint thing yeah yes i can't afford mixer. the mixer we played on that night but i got yeah. the you know, a class or two down that I could afford and is actually yeah. really, really super nice. By far the nicest mixer I've ever had. Not that an 05 is not a good mixer. It's just like for a completely different style of DJing that I'm going to do. Well, you guys, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will be able to get all the flyness that Nate is describing. That's patreon.com slash dadbodratpod, patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod but you know the dad bod rap pod stays three-dimensional and through the fourth wall we do events as well and we have another event coming up on saturday june 24th the east side record swap that was a sound effect um we'll be coming back to uh the, school the sound of effect is like people flipping through records it's like everyone can hear it but you can't it's like really hard to recreate onomatopoeically or however you would say that uh, yeah, flipping through records and telling everyone which ones they have. Um, <laughs> that's the quiet murmur of the record buying crowd. Uh, I was at a thing uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago at this point, and um, I was talking to, I actually interrupted a conversation between the guy who was working at the record store and one of the other customers because he was talking about Cool Keith, and it was, I think it was the day Serpent had come out. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll do it right now. I actually bought serpent at amoeba in san francisco on oh, a, okay. uh, sunday when i was up there for a little trip with my wife um and it was surprised to see it because usually the vinyl for things is not ready until so far afterwards so i just got serpent on vinyl but anyway 
we were t- I was talking and the guy mentioned Cool Keith and I was like, hey, have you heard the new record with Real Bad Man? It's so good. You should check it out. And he, we were talking and talking and he's like, I've got Dr. Doom on vinyl. And I was just like, kind of, I wanted to like pull him aside and be like, it's very gauche to like <laughs> say what you've got on vinyl. And like, it's like, trust me, if we started having the I've got it on vinyl conversation, like yeah. it's going to be so long. And it, it's like the weirdest like dick measuring, like annoying thing you know what i mean like yes. it is oh, cool absolutely. to have things on vinyl and to have ogs and to keep your records nice and to like know your collection well enough to know what you have but there's something very weird and like kind of like gen z about that like it's for them it's like this conversation ender it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. i have the, it on the pinnacle of format so i must know something you don't and it's like that's not how music it, is having dr doom on vinyl that big of a flex it depends. It's not. Yeah. It's, it is somewhat of a rare record that was okay. not like a super like pressed record. I would imagine that's like a hundred fifty dollar record. Okay. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it, because of the pen and pixel style artwork, like oh, having yes. it on that's the record right. would be kind that's of cool. Right. Um, right. But it's like I was just I, I don't know. This is the way he said it, it was kind of off putting to me. But in like a bro down way, I wanted to be like, that's cool, bud. Eastside Record Swap, June twenty fourth. Uh, from 4 to 9 p.m. We got a special wrinkle this year, bringing out Sean Kantrowitz will be doing a live version of the questions trivia game where your insufferable knowledge can really be put to use to win prizes and to be proclaimed the quiz master of the South Bay area. So folks, come on out. uh, Stay tuned to our Instagram and Twitter for more information about that event. But, you know, that's what you've come to expect from us. Fly talk, fly sporadic, uh, fly events. It's the dad bod. Flying in our friends to hang out with them and uh, do do trivia. <laughs> and do trivia. You made it sound like drugs. Flying in our friends to hang out and do some triv. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be live, though. Um, I, I hope everybody uh, can make it out. If you are in the area, uh, Nate, it's been real, man. Uh, it's good to be back on the podster and we'll uh we'll come at you with more heat next week dad bod rap pod
seen nothing He stepped into my realms and found suffering Chaos is turned into seance and burn Calculated versus estimated spirituality earned Worms leaking out your orifices, sort of vicious You pick the portal, witches filled with wars and witches Kick out your spell cast, hell's vast needles and torture racks Torsos hatched, didn't want off of that Pain you can't explain, landscapes of flames Frames of inhospitables are crushed in the minerals Your plans foiled if you're watching me plant soil Your pen spoiled, throttled in, bottled as pens oil Ruling the seas of my doing the death So be the pudding that the proof in I'm never cooling Regard took a day off I had him laid off on weed He wanted concrete to remain soft Salem's lots my vacation spot Off and hopping out of coffin Steady rocking while you're rotting Rolling with the big gang of brothers with fangs Mega dope, use a telescope and deep in my slang Man.